All right. Hey, this is Guillermo with Fatherhood Talks, and welcome uh, to another episode of Fatherhood Talks. And I have a very special guest here. His name, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Angel. Nice to meet you guys. All right. So uh, I've known Angel for quite a while, and um, with him, it's never a dull moment having a conversation about life, about fatherhood, about children, and about real issues that were going on today. So Something interesting I was talking to one of my colleagues, Angel, was about we we know about and examples of stages of grief, stages of marriage, uh, stages of relationship. But one interesting topic came up was the stages of fatherhood, and in general speaking, there are about six stages of fatherhood, and that's something interesting perspective. We never really actually sit down and talk about this, dads, but it's an interesting pers- perspective. What is your take? You being experienced with fatherhood, about stages of fatherhood, as compared to stages of grief, stages of advancing in in your job. Some of them the same, but stages of fatherhood are more different. They're more growing. They're more of a a maturity. Um, When you understand what they are and you actually put them to use in your life, it's a it's a growth pattern, and that's the whole purpose of these stages in this program. It's it's to help you become a a brighter man. Not saying that you're not not saying that you can't be or that you you choose not to be, but it makes you a smarter man. Being a smarter man makes a better dad. Being a better dad uh, gives a better opportunity for your children to grow because of the knowledge that you assist to them or give to them. So it's pretty decent. So what I've noticed with dads is it's always in the beginning. Uh, Of course, I've heard this rumor. I have never actually or I don't recall ever meeting a dad who says, oh, I found out my woman was pregnant. I'm out of here. I've never met a man that actually said that. I've actually... Met men who say their woman is pregnant, but they question if it's theirs or not. So, what was what's your experience in seeing and hearing or seeing something like that? I've seen guys get guys. I've seen couples get into an area where they're pregnant, and then I've seen guys leave, and I've seen guys. I've seen a lot of guys question, and I mean that's. I hate to say it, but that's an average. And it's wrong, but it's an average. So why do you think that question, that doubt, comes up more often than not? Okay, so that's a deep topic. Uh, Nutshell, we don't pay attention, men don't pay attention to who they put their privates in. Women are needing somebody to be around. I'm not saying that they're clingy. I'm not saying that they're, they're... being ugly to them is just majority of the time when you get two people who don't really... We used to court each other. Right. Eight months, nine months, ten months, eleven months, a year, year and a half before there was any touching, before there was any sexual contact. Now you meet somebody, within two weeks you're already in bed with them. Within a week and a half after that, somebody might be pregnant. Within two months, somebody's pregnant. We don't know who they are, and there's a reason for it. Again, the value status of a person isn't known yet. And because they don't know how their true value is, they get to these areas. So there is a 
untrust in a relationship and they don't know who they are, they don't know what they are, they don't know their value, they don't know that other person's value, and because of that, there's questions. Is it mine? Are you only with me? Uh, do I get a paternity test? You know? Mm -hmm. So we see, like, in the first stage, there's either, there's acknowledgement or there's denial. And we see, how, how do we, we see more denial. No, I don't know if this is mine. And within denial means also we question. Um, to a certain perspective, there's nothing wrong in questioning things, but when it comes to an intimate relationship about bringing a life, how, how do you see we move from acknowledgement to denial? How do we go back to acknowledge? I acknowledge that, yes, I know for a fact this is mine. There's no question about this. Well, how, how does, as a, as a man, as fathers, as men in society, how do we go back to that from your perspective? Making, that's a really good one. Unfortunately, when a man's lost trust, it's hard to go back. It takes a very strong man, a very, um, a very mature man to raise someone else's child. That is, that's kudos. I, I give my hats off to you. But it goes to the same point I just said. You have to know who you deal with. So in turn, how do you get back there? You've got the first two things people say in a relationship is trust and love. No, sir. It is not. One, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to accept the second one. The person that you were with, regardless to what they've been through, what they haven't been through, where they've been, where, they, where they're going, or what they're going to do in their lives. So when you understand those two things, then it's time for you to grow back up, put your man boots on, put your pants on, get up in the morning and do what you got to do. Okay, there's an opportunity this child may not be mine, but for some reason this lady is pregnant while I am here with her. So that means that there is a situation that I need to address. You can be typical and walk, or you can be a man Pick your shoes and put them on and put your pants on and say, hey, let's find out what it was that we fell in love with each other for and get back to those basic roots and hold on to it instead of looking for a problem or looking for an issue to not want to grab. Because once you do that, child has no part in this. Yeah. You have to grow for that child. And when you do that, you you build yourself and your significant other to become stronger, to make able to, you can go through bonds and break them and work through problems. And that's the first thing you got to understand. Hey, you know what? Let's find out what's taking us away from where our, our love is and let's mm -hmm. get back to that love. So interesting, the aspect of love that you talk about, because when it comes to that allowing a man allows himself to receive love and a man allows himself to give love, we go through an experience, either I'm going to accept this love, which includes not just from the woman, but now this child, or I'm going to reject I can love you, but you cannot love me. You don't have to leave, but I'll leave. So that we, we are juggling this acceptance or rejection. 
acceptance of my fatherhood, acceptance of my responsibility or denial of my responsibility. How does a man come to a decision if he's going to accept or reject? Not pointing the finger of this is right or wrong, making an issue of right or wrong, but the real experience is do I accept or I reject? What is a man going through when he gets to that point? You being experienced in fatherhood. I wanted a boy when my first child was born. It was a girl. And I rejected it. I rejected her. And she knows. I told her when she got of age, I rejected you. I wanted a boy. But seeing how when she grew, how she clung to me and how she ran to me when the thunderstorms and when she was sick, how she'd want to be or when she was tired, she'd wait for me. You... It's called growing up. You, uh, again, you have to be a mature individual. We can say we don't want a child. Or we can say I don't want to be a part of this. But no matter what you do, it's always going to be in the back of your mind. And that's from, ex that's from experience. It's always going to be in the back of your mind. What is that child doing? What would I be doing right now if that child was with me? Where would I go and how would they do things? What is she thinking about her? What is he thinking about her? So when you accept or reject personal issue, personal, through knowledge of me, the child didn't ask to be born. It was given. Deal with that child. If you and the mother don't get along, make way to make it right so that that child can benefit. Because child needs two parents. I don't care whether they're separated or whether or not. I don't care how many girls or how many guys you go through. That child needs two parents, a mother and a father, not the step, not the, the, the one that comes every once in a while. They need a father that is their blood, and they need a mother that is their blood. So, and that's where the parents have to step it up and say, hey, let's do for our baby. And we have to accept the fact that we have a child. And we have to reject the fact that the negativity between us needs to stop. And for our listeners who can't see you right now, when you said the word your daughter, <laughs> I saw a lot of emotion surface, a lot of emotion of love, a lot of emotion of, of a deep connection bond that you are so desiring and wanting from her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sitting here with y'all on this conversation and we're talking about stagehoods of father, but I'm human, brother. And people who listen, I'm human. I go through trials and errors too, brother. I go through issues also. I don't have the perfect life. I don't have a way to say, hey, everything's going to be perfect. Because it's not. But I do have an understanding of knowledge. And that knowledge tells me that if you look for a positive, you will find a positive. If you look for a negative, you will find a negative. If you are busy pointing fingers, you will always have someone to blame. When you get in your little corner and you tell yourself, does it matter whose fault it is or whose fault it isn't? What matters is the solution. That is the most important factor of any problem you deal with. Solutions. Uh, and, you know, I want to be a part of my little girl's life. Mama right now is with somebody else. And... That's what, unfortunately, she chooses to be right. 
I'm not going to be mad at her. I'm not going to be ugly to her. I'm not going to be rude to her because that takes from me. But I love my little baby. And you can tell in your eyes. You know you've seen her. Yes. <clears throat> so, moving on to what we were talking about earlier is I notice through these stages of fatherhood, one thing that's not talked about or it's dads don't like to talk about is this anxiety that comes with this love, the anxiety of wanting to, am I going to be good enough? If that's even the right frame of mind, am I going to be loving them enough? Am I going to be providing them for enough? But sometimes with this stress and anxiety is attached to this fear. How, how does one recognize the experience of anxiety versus the experience of fear? Not in a negative standpoint, but from a positive standpoint. It's, it's okay to go through those experiences. You're right, it is. But in order to understand the positive, you've got to see the negative. You have to understand what it does to you. Um, I'm, I, I, I'll use me as an example, okay? I'm not saying this is me, but I'm, I'm going to use me as an example. Uh, I don't make enough money for my daughter. The next man does. Uh, he's got better cars for his family. His wife or his girlfriend has a vehicle. They have a house. I only have an apartment. Uh, we only have one vehicle, and we have to share it, and it's not running right. Um, my daughter doesn't have or my son doesn't. My children don't have the necessities that they need, uh, but the next man does. That's the negative. And what that negative will do to you, it'll, it'll downgrade you. It'll make you less in your own eyes. And when you understand what it does, we don't see it sometimes. We get so busy in the hustle and bustle, we don't see that we're putting our own self down. Man, I need to make more money. Man, I need to, to get my daughter. Man, and this and that. When you overburden yourself, you tend to lose focus of your value. So you have to look at your negative and see it for what it is. It's a negative. So what's the positive in it? It won't always have to be in a vehicle that has problems. And it won't always have to be one vehicle. It won't always have to be looking at someone else and saying he has more or they have more. Or I don't have a biggest home as they do. Um, an old man, a, a man once said, and I don't know who, he, who said it, but there's a saying that says, I used to complain about not having shoes till I met a man with no feet. There are people that are worse than you in any situation that you can come across. My saying, what I'm trying to say is, look for positives in your life. Okay, at least you have a home. At least you have a vehicle. At least you have means. It may not be the best, but at least you have means. Happiness is not judged by the assets you have. Happiness is judged by being able to get assets that make you content. Um, okay, they're $10 shoes. At least your little girl or your boy likes them. Okay, it's a three-bedroom at, at, at least you can be warm at night while it's cold. Look how many homeless people out there don't have a home. Uh, okay, it's not the brand new of vehicles, and it's got an oil leak, and it wastes a lot of gas. But at least you can get back and forth, and you don't have to take the bus. Be happy with these things. And when you see the anxiety and the fear, the fear kills us, and that's what causes our anxiety. I'm scared I'm not going to provide. <clears throat> and now I'm getting anxious because, dang, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That's part of it. But again, look for a positive in the anxiety. Look for a positive in the fear. Make that fear understood in your eyes to where you say, you know what? 
It is a fear, but it doesn't mean I cannot attain it. It doesn't mean that I cannot reach for it. It doesn't mean that I will not be able to reach for it. And goes back to original point of what we were talking about. Women and men, pay attention to who you allow between your legs or on you. Pay attention. You need someone in your life that's going to accent your greatness and you accent their greatness. And just because she looks good or he looks cut doesn't mean that that's the best person for you. Sometimes the best person comes when you don't even pay attention to who they are. So like I tell my children, be, be, attention, be attentive to who you allow in your lives. Know that the person that's going to come into your life is going to be worth it. And sometimes, me, example, I let somebody in my life that wasn't worth of anything to me. And now there's a child with that baby, you know, with that lady. And because of that, I have to deal with that. Do I say, hey, you're not worth crap? No, I'm not going to degrade you because I was just as fast to jump in that area as she was. So I need to build her and tell her the same thing at the same time I build myself. You are worth loving somebody. You are worth to be loved. Same thing with her. She is worth loving somebody and worth to be loved. And the most important is the child. The child deserves to be loved. It's not important. They deserve to be loved from both parents. So take that anxiety. Take that fear. Use it to the best of your ability and move forward. And when I noticed that excellent word that you said, moving forward, when we allow ourselves to move forward and we allow ourselves to move forward with peace, with positivity, now you start to experience what the next stage of fatherhood is. Now there's that bonding, now that connectiveness, and we become consumed by that bonding connectiveness. And um, how do how does one know that? Hey, I am ready now for this stage to bond with my child, to bond with the relationships I have to connect. But at the same time, I must maintain those healthy boundaries. At the same time, my healthy boundaries in my fatherhood, healthy boundaries as an ex-husband, as an ex-boyfriend. As, but at the same time, how do I create those healthy boundaries while making that connection and bonding? Okay, you said the key of all of this, healthy. <clears throat> then you said for ex-husbands and ex-boyfriends. There will always be around. The ex-boys or ex-girls, they will always be around. You know that when you're at that bonding and that connected stage, when you know that that ex-partner you had, significant other, whatever you want to call them, is with somebody else and you're still capable of going and helping that child, knowing that there's somebody else in he or she's life and being calm about it. That's maturity. So now I know that the bond I have with my child is a greater bond. That connectedness to us is a greater bond connectedness. So it's not overridden. Oh, she's with some dude or he's with some dude. I don't want to deal with it. I don't even want to be around my child. Don't even if you're going to be, I don't want him talking to my babies. I don't want her talking to my, no, now you've gotten that maturity. So you know what? Okay, you're with this individual. But what can I do to help my child where my child is at. Mm. Or, and it's not even about assets. It's more about knowledge. If I show my, again, I say a lot, primary educator in a child's life is the parents. First person who teaches a child is the parents. So if I act ignorant and yell and scream, you don't think my child sees this? So what am I teaching my child? It's okay to yell and scream. 
at the one you say you quote unquote love. No, I can't do that. Now I've destined him for failure regardless. You just got to do saying something and the man came to mind, Les Brown. Les Brown says, if you're going to fail and you're going to fall, fall forward. Don't fall backwards. So that bond, we're going to fail. There's going to be parts where we're, gonna, we're still going to go back to human nature and we're going to argue with baby mama or baby daddy and we're mm-hmm. going to fail. But try to fall forward. What do I mean? Okay, you know what? I yelled, I screamed, I was wrong. What can we do from here on out to fix this? What can we do to make this better? How can we benefit each other for our baby, regardless to whether they're with you or with me? And that's where your boundaries come in. You set them and you don't realize that you set them. How can I benefit our child to make a better boundary area so that our child doesn't see us acting immature? Mm-hmm. And by, by doing that, those healthy boundaries begin to set themselves in place with maturity. And that goes back to being acceptance. It's not accepting the situation or accepting the other individual. Mm-hmm. It's accepting yourself. I accept myself to, to know better, to act better, to give my child a better direction. And that's where it comes. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Um, because once we see that bonding, that connection, and that healthy boundaries, we know what, not, we, we only, not only do we know what that looks like, but now we take it a step further because now we know what that experience feels like of experiencing something healthy. And I think when we create that healthy foundation, I think both parents but especially the dad is in a stronger foundation where he can teach the next stage of fatherhood which is something that's coming into light that more and more i see more conversations about this is called something called having the opportunity and the foundation to do emotional coaching to be teaching morals values and principles which we see in today's families um Morals and principles and values are 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 diminishing. They're becoming almost like extinct. They're withering away. They're decaying. So this ability to have the opportunity now, because of that strong foundation, is now I'm as a father, as a dad, I'm able to coach my child through their emotions and their feelings. Emotional coaching and uh, having the the freedom. Dad having the freedom to give those experiences to his child. What is that like when, if you can remember a point in in in, in your and still you still being a dad is, what what were those experiences like when you were able to do that type of teaching, morals, values, and principles to your children, even to a family, even to. My father taught us to say yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no one, no ma'am. It didn't matter who it was or who it wasn't. I don't care if you know him or her. I don't care who it is. You respect my family name and you say yes sir and no sir. Always. And I did. To this day, I'm, I'm still like that. Okay, my father passed away. He doesn't hear whether I say it or whether I don't point is not whether he hears me and whether he's here the point is that is a legacy he leaves in me 
my son, we were, my daughter went to the Ariana Grande concert a while back, and we met up afterwards, and we went to the IHOP downtown. I think it's IHOP, uh, right there on the corner, isn't it? Yeah, it's yes. I, at the IHOP. Um, I held a door for somebody, and my son was like, did you know him? And I was like, no, I didn't know him. And he, I said, why? And he said, because you held the door for him. And I told him, it doesn't matter who it is. You do it no matter what. One day, you're not going to be able to open a door. One day, you're not going to be able to walk. One day, you're going to have a flat. And you're not going to have nobody to help you. But they say one random act of kindness can change the world. Mm -hmm. What am I saying? One day that act of kindness that you do today, tomorrow, or a week from now will come back to you years from now. And that's where your morals come in. Don't care if you... Go ahead. I can attest to that, to what you're saying from you. <laughs> because for those listeners who are listening, I've known Angel for quite a few years now. And I've, I've never heard you disrespect anyone both on a professional setting, even at a private setting, or even jokingly try to disrespect someone or make fun of or belittle and, and, and someone in any capacity. So I, I can see how what you're coaching, what you preach, you actually live. do live that. I, I can attest that because I've known you for quite some time now. So... How do dads connect that experience to teaching children morals, values, and principles and, and dealing with their emotions? Conversation-wise, they can't. They can't. Good point. Okay. Action-wise, all day long. Again, you see somebody who falls, pick them up. Whether they fail physically or whether they fail mentally, pick them up. If you see somebody lacking, I don't care if it's just a pat on the back. This is why our society has gotten to where it's gotten. We fail to care about the man next to us, man, woman, or child. It's not your child and he's in the streets. Oh, it's not my baby. Go get that baby. Get that child out of the street. Don't go and yell at the parents. Take the baby to the parents. Your baby was in the street and walk back. You see an old lady walking across the street and you see her having a problem, go help her. If you see somebody stuck on the side of the road, stop and help them. Because when your children see you do this, they will learn why you did this. Morals, values, respect. What's the word? Uh, what you do, integrity. What you do when no one's looking. That's right. That means everything. Everything. That's right. And you, you, you are, I definitely have to acknowledge, you're definitely a matter of integrity because when you say you're going to do something, you've always done what you said. You've always stayed true to your word. And I was something that I was about to you. Your, 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 your word is your currency. It is, sir. You know, when you say... Yes, I'm going to do this. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do this. I have a prior commitment. You know, you've always 
you've always stayed true. Not once did you have you ever said oh, yes, man, man. and then no call, no show. Um, so that brings us to our, 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 our next stage, our final stage of, of fatherhood is fathering and, and, and mentoring. As a dad, how do we continue to mentor our children even when they're growing up? But something that you and I have had conversations about, we've had many conversations about is, what about dads mentoring dads? That's How do we cultivate that experience? How do we bring to life that experience okay, of Okay, so the third one we talked about was anxiety and fear. When you know the anxiety, okay, I'll key right. When you know fear and what it feels like in you and why it is in you, it's not hard to find and see it in someone else. I don't know these guys that come here. But does it stop me to talk to them? No. Because one of them, I, I, I pretty much read people decently. Yeah, you do. You do. And I can tell which ones need to be hollered at and which ones don't. And I'm going to throw it at them all the time. Because I know that they need it. Everybody needs it. Whether you're in a program or whether you're not in a program, everybody needs it. That's part of a fatherhood. It doesn't matter. Back in the game, we could walk around, leave our front doors open, take off, and nobody would get in your house. If my son was down the street messing up and the neighbor from down the street saw my son doing something he wasn't supposed to, he would go get my son and bring my son to me and tell him, this is what your boy was doing, and leave him there and take off. That's fathering. That's, that's showing how to be a mentor. We don't do that these days. We've neglected it. We're too busy with our phones. We're too busy watching TV. We're too busy keeping up with the Joneses, our iPads, and our Xboxes, and our Playstations. We're more interested in swiping left or right or liking somebody's Instagram or commenting on a topic that really has no significant value to us at all. Uh, a young man, an older man, he's dead now, but a man said, if you cannot talk about it for the last hour of your life on your deathbed, why talk about it your whole life? What am I saying? Get back to the nitty gritty of what is worth fatherhood. We are presented here every day to be fathers. Our job is to be a father first and foremost. We are a provider second. Mm -hmm. We are a nurturer second. Our main priority is to be a father. And being a father, we mentor daily. Somebody with knowledge or understanding of a situation that can guide you. That's what Webster tells you. So if I'm a father, my first act is to be that tell my son son don't do that if you do that you're going to fall if you fall you're going to hurt your knee if you hurt your knee you're going to cry if you cry you're going to come run to dad I know you want to do it so let's do it in a different way so you don't fall and hurt yourself that's mentoring without realizing it so how can we get fathers to do this on a consistent basis 
don't be afraid to help. Don't be afraid. My point earlier about my son opening the door. What did we do Thursday? In the parking lot. Trunk or treat? Trunk or treat. Guess what my son did Sunday? Trunk or treat. Trunk or treat. Trunk or treat. At the church. I asked him why. Guess what he said? Because I saw you do it, Dad. I saw the pictures you sent me. I wanted to do that because you did it. Uh So we lead by action, not by conversation. You see what I'm saying? Uh So you see a father hurting, pat him on the back, brother. If you see a father without, it doesn't mean take all your money out and go give it to somebody. And some people are going to be untrustworthy. But it doesn't matter whether they're untrustworthy or whether they're not. The point is to be the father. One random act of kindness will change the world. Who said that that random act of kindness that you do for somebody, whether they're sincere or whether they aren't, won't change their mind and make them come back around and make them understand their value? And if they don't, it wasn't for you to to deal with. Your job is to be the father you're supposed to be. That's our job. To be the father. Step out there and continue to do it. Okay, I don't have means for that. Well, do whatever you can. If it means going to your house, getting a can of soup, a loaf of bread, and a top ramen, couple of top ramen noodles and pass it to somebody, do it. It's not what you get in return. It's the feeling you get inside. Where was it at? Yeah, emotional coaching. Sometimes that emotional coaching is ours. Ah, that's right. Sometimes it's ours. Sometimes they say the best way to to heal is to help. Yeah. That's true because they said, I know there's a saying that says time heals all. While at the same time, it's what you do during that time. That's right. That's going to help it heal. That's so true. Well, Angel, man, this was an interesting conversation about the stages of fatherhood. We've had many great conversations, and so I appreciate you taking your time to to have this uh, discussion here uh, about stages of fatherhood. I definitely want you to return and uh, continue this conversation about stages of fatherhood. So, So... Thank you again for coming to Fatherhood Talks, and uh, we'll uh, see you guys next time. Thank you.